All right. Good, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, tonight, I am attempting something that I haven't really attempted before, which is uh, we've tried before to open up our classroom and to extend uh, what we do in our classroom to the outside world, uh, to the world around. And uh, so I'm pleased uh, to do that again tonight. What I've not done before is then open up the classroom to see for an open uh, workshop. And so this is a bit challenging, even with a couple screens. I want to be doing this and, and, uh, and making this work so it's not terribly awkward, but you should know um, I'm kind of an awkward person anyway, so there's a, about to be awkwardness, I'm sure. Certainly tech awkwardness. This is Juno, uh, the cat, um, who, who doesn't quite have a conception of two-dimensional spaces yet, uh, just a new kitten that we got. And so we're just going to see how uh, she or he does. I don't know which it is. Um, okay, so uh, what I want to do is introduce myself. I'm Brenton Dickinson. I am a teacher with Signum University. I presume that you can see uh, my video camera and that you can hear me well, uh, and that you'll let me know uh, once I share my screen that you can see and hear that. And I have been fascinated for some time with vampire myths. And this comes out of my own reading. I don't know, I've read maybe a couple of hundred vampire stories. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got less knowledge of vampire TV and film uh, than probably you have. But we're doing a class this semester called Folkloric Transformations. And what it is is about understanding how kind of folklore becomes folktale, and then that folktale gets taken up into literature, and then that literature gets moved into new literature, uh, film, pop culture, and really becomes a, a pop culture reality. So that Twilight itself, uh, which we had an open class on last week, is is actually more than just a, a TV show, film, book, uh, but a phenomenon, a kind of cultural reality. Someone once asked me, you know, do you do you actually think that vampires are real? I said, I don't know. Um, uh, to quote uh, Jurassic Park, you know, there are the blood-sucking lawyers. But uh, I do know that the vampire phenomenon is real in the sense of we can understand it as a pop culture phenomenon. And that's what our open class session with Dr. Maggie Park last week was about. It was super cool. It has a coolness factor as in like I walked on the set and saw how things worked in the filming kind of factor that I can't bring. But what I do know or what I do love uh, um, is the opportunity to talk about story and uh, to discuss story. And so that's what I'm going to focus on today um, is what's at the core of the vampire myth, the mythos, the story. And I'm going to do this with you. So rather than just me lecture, I actually had originally prepared something because that's what Maggie and I had agreed upon. Um, rather than just kind of preparing something, what I want to do is actually throw it out to you. And I want us to do kind of a concept map. I'll share my screen uh, um, to, to the beginning of what uh, 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 what I am doing there. Hopefully this, uh, can you just confirm that this shows basically a, a single, um, a single uh, image of blood in a white screen? If you could just confirm that, that would be great. Uh, and I've got uh, some limitations here that I want to address as I work with uh, uh, miniature things. Good. Yes. Image of blood. Okay. So what I want to do is a bit of concept mapping that moves out from the image of blood out into the other areas. And so I have to, I'll just set the cap there. 
take a, take a sip of you know whatever it is that you might be drinking during a session like this. And I have my own concept map. I'm guessing what you will say. I've sketched it all out to to, to kind of anticipate what it is that you will you will do. But I'm not going to show you all of that. We're going to figure it out together. Um, uh, and so that yeah, <laughs> that's right. There could be uh, if we get interrupted by uh, National Security Agency, uh, just let them know that I'm Canadian and it doesn't count. I'm not a security risk because we're all very uh, nice and kind, uh, and our vampires are too here. Um, and so uh, what we want to do is uh, basically create this. Okay. Um, do we have a Zoom pop-up? What's I don't know what the, the Zoom pop-up is. Um, okay. Is the win? Is there a a picture there okay this zoom yeah no i'm gonna leave that because i don't know how to fix it but once we get uh once we get to the point of filling this in more i'll get rid of this uh, uh add text label thing because that's basically the instructions i i changed software at the very last minute now what i'm going to do now is another bit of an experiment we actually have quite a large class here tonight thank you uh welcome everyone and what i'm going to do now is unmute your mics and have you kind of remute them but i want you to use the hand raising feature and i want you to share verbally i can also look at uh uh, well, no, 22 is not a large class, uh, Jocelyn, but it's larger than I can normally accommodate in this sort of setting. But I want you to bring the stories that you know, and I want us to create kind of this cluster map or mind map that comes out from the idea of blood. Now, just to confirm, the way that I'm using myth is not lie or falsehood, which I think uh, almost anybody who's a lover of literature or classical literature will know. But the way that I'm using uh, myth uh, is as a founding story. Okay, uh, I'm using it as an element. Uh, it does have a kind of an element of sacred reality, but myths tell the truth about who we are as people. And I know that's a very broad definition, but that's what I want to do. So this is uh, not as limited as mythos would have been in the Greek, where we get the word, but far, but more limited uh, than we would have in the way we use it in culture today. So that's how we're going to use it. What does the story, what does the vampire story tell us about what we believe, who we are, what's true, what's essential, what's at the center of things? That's the question. That's what we're looking at here with this uh, experiment. Now, any experiment may fail, but if if I if we fail together, uh, we'll still figure out a way to, of learning about this, at least uh, from a conversational point. Okay, so I'm going to now unmute all your microphones. So be ready to remute them because we get this kind of super cool uh, um, um, wine that happens uh, as all the mics unmute. Okay, so all the mics have been unmuted. Uh, they're all self. Okay, uh, unmute all. Okay. All right, okay, I'm gonna, basically I have to do this by hand, so I'm going to unmute them there. Okay. Okay, I don't know who, <laughs> I don't know who's not unmuted there, good, okay. Yeah, good, excellent. Just getting the last couple here, just because the mass uh, system thing didn't work. Okay, good. So now what I want you to do um, is I want you to, yeah, just stay muted until you, it's time to talk, okay? So uh, you should be uh, 
basically able to share at this point is what I want us to do is imagine from a myth standpoint, from what is the story telling us about who we are, what's true, what is going on with the vampire myth. And I want to start with the image of blood. Now we could start with other kinds of image, you know, the you know, but I think this one will work. I think it's the, the best image to begin with. And I've used, I've got a new mind mapping program software here. So we'll see how this works. We may find it limited, but it's better than what I was using, which was Microsoft uh, Word and PowerPoint. It's terrible. Okay, so uh, now it's time for you. Who would like to contribute first? What do you think the first word is, or one of the first words that we should have after um, blood in this kind of mind map as we're sharing uh, what's essential to the vampire myth? Uh, go ahead and raise your hand. Um, if you don't have mic access, you can um, uh, go ahead and put, put your name in the, or put a question in the box as a comment. I'll try and get those, but I do, I do have a fairly complex uh, uh, setup here. Yeah, that's right, Jocelyn. When I call on you, I'll just have you re-mute yourself or re-unmute yourself or unmute yourself or whatever. Okay, um, Matt Mueller. Okay, what what word, uh, and we may grab a few and then start to talk about, what word you, would you put after blood? And you can go ahead and unmute yourself and speak. Matt M, still muted. And then I see Matt D there, if you can, uh, and then Gabriel uh, will be third there. So, um, yes, thank you. This is sort of Japanese-y Takako-san, isn't it, right? Kind of, I think we actually got this at a Yakuen store in Japan. All right, Matt, are you ready? Or Matt, Matt D, you go ahead. Matt M still working out the tech. Uh, I would add life slash unlife. Okay, good. All right. So, uh, so I guess the question, as soon as we have a box, uh, as soon as we have a box, we have uh, a question, but then the question is whether or not um, unlife is like a separate piece off of life. And what's another word for unlife, folks? And, and this, when I ask questions like that, you can just kind of shout them out, un, unmute yourself and shout it out. What's another undead. word? Pardon me? Undead. Okay, well, yeah, but before we get undead, right, before you can say that's a cooked carrot, you have to have what? Like, a, or before You're you dead. can say a raw carrot, you have to have a cooked carrot. So before we can say undead, what do we have to have? You're dead. Yeah, that's right, dead. Now is dead, do we come off of life with dead like this? Or is are dead and unlife parallel, or are they equal to each other? Yeah, we'll just leave it like this for now. Okay, good stuff. So we have dead, and then we have off of dead, we have undead. Okay, so we'll get a chance to talk about these things. All right, uh, go ahead. Uh, so Matt D, did you did you get to say what you wanted to say, Matt D? Yes, uh, I think others picked up on the some of the inherent problems because it unlife or undead is not the same as um as living and it it doesn't fit in the flipped coin of life and death yeah, which is why we end up with the problem i'm actually going to add a parallel line it's my own which is living life which is in itself um one of the themes of kind of more modern stories right is okay so you happen to be alive i happen to be undead or dead 
are you actually any more living in another kind of qualitative way than I am? Okay, Matt, uh, Matt M, did you get did you get that worked out? Did you have the sound worked out? Yeah, uh, I was gonna say blood is uh, life too. Okay, interesting. I'm actually gonna use just as a uh, a parallel thing. I'm actually gonna do the phrase the blood is the life. Is that uh, is that close enough to the quotation for folks? Right, the Stoker. Yeah. We have that in Stoker, that's in Richard Matheson, that's in Buffy the Vampire. It keeps coming up again and again and again. So, and then Takako though says, I don't know if we can say the blood is life for the undead, but there's at least some sort of energy, right? So, uh, unlife, I have dead and then I have undead. And then from the undead here, I don't know if I can, yeah. What's the energizing force? I know I didn't spell that right. What's the energizing force? So that's an interesting question. From undead, we have to ask what the energizing force is, right? You know, and and then we get into zombies and all kinds of stuff, right? But that's a great question. And what's sort of behind the blood is the life? So what, what and I'll get to you there, Gabriel and uh, Lorena, that's a cool name. Um, what's, where, what's the world behind the idea that the blood is the life? Okay. Does anyone know? Okay. Just kind of speak this out when I ask questions because I want to keep the the hands for vo volunteer next stages kind of stuff. Life can come only from the living. Okay, right. Okay, so that's interesting. So uh, blood comes from the living. Okay, I'm going to get through this box. Good stuff. Uh, what else? Where does the idea that blood is life or blood is the life come from? Okay, so um, Nick says Christianity, okay, but I think that's certainly our, the cultural Western idea, but where does, like, what's the root of Christianity? Like, where are we coming from? It comes from? out of Deuteronomy. Yeah, so really behind... Deuteronomy 12.23 is where you got the phrase, the blood is the life. Yeah, and so I'm going to say Jewish law, in this case, I mean the whole sacrificial uh, in, in this case, which means we have kind of like a parallel, we have the idea of sacrifice. And let's see how many places sacrifice kind of pops up, pops up here, okay? All right, good stuff. Okay, so uh, let's go back through Gabriel, go ahead. Okay, so I'm, I'm still sort of working out how to do this because my first thought was, unholy uh as a because i was just thinking of vampires but if it's supposed to be more connected to blood then i suppose um the other thing i was thinking about vampires was like the aristocratic nature of them so maybe blood as in like pure blood or blood when people talk about like blood as in denoting status uh okay, yeah would, th would that be something that could come off blood in this map is that how this works yeah, yeah. So let's, I think that's about as far away as we can get from these images. So I'm going to put this on the other side. I don't, I don't get that many. So <laughs> I only get four, but anyway, that's all right. Cause I didn't pay the $6.99 a month for this is um, the thing. Yeah. Okay. So we'll come back to that, Matt, here in a sec. Um, what's the highest category? So we mean blood, like blood is, do you mean blood is an aristocracy, like blue blood, or do you mean blood is in race? I, I lineage maybe um okay so let's actually use um let's use association no let's use status use the word status okay mm. so then we have from status um 
I want to then add, sorry. So from status, so we have lineage, okay? And then we also have uh, race, and then we also have aristocracy, uh, which uh, we can be general, right? And just basically we mean like richy landholding folks. Uh, we don't have to get into the different gentry kind of statuses, do we? Uh, we may, we'll figure it out, okay? Does that work, Gabriel, for now as a placeholder and we may come back to this, but? Yeah, I think this is kind of what I was thinking of. Yeah, thanks. Good, good, it's good. So we, so now we have kind of two places. So is it Lorena or Lorena, Lorena? Lorena. Lorena, great, gorgeous. Uh, what's your, what, what, what do you want to add to this? Do you want to add on to one or do we have another kind of core concept? Well, you asked what our, the first word was that came to our mind. Mm -hmm. And the first word in looking at that image of blood was scary, you know, terrifying. Okay. Yeah, so, interesting. Okay, so let's let's actually bring this off here, because and now you're really kind of moving into what the myth does in a sense. Or there's, um, I suppose there's humor now, but before we can get humor, there has to be this element of terror or horror. horror. Do you mean terror or horror? Which do you mean? Um, terror, because I I was thinking more whenever you see blood, it's a scary thing yeah you know right off the bat until you are able to uh either figure out is it life-giving blood or is it life-draining blood or you know what is it but the 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 first moment of seeing blood is scary yeah 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 i mean even like the vividness of like red on white right like a blood yes. on the floor blood in a napkin um and uh and uh, okay but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give all the answers here uh matt d go ahead the um the one other branch i'd add here is um the idea of cost so you pay in blood you, okay. uh, you've got the wear good you've got the cost that especially with with the entire vampire thing Okay, so let's let's find out because there is like bargain, cost, sacrifice. Like, what's the parent of all these things, though? I, I would, when I was thinking through, I would go with cost. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I just want to put this over here because I'm not sure what to do with that yet. But we've so we've got concepts though that we can do things with as we get going. Okay. Sound I good? think there's something that ties into the blood and that's the um the immortality aspect right okay so life now so we have death like i guess life and death i should have said right <laughs> you know on life the idea of living life so like qualitative life the blood is the life and then we really have another framework off of here which is immortality and is that the same thing as so i have sort of two that come off of this one is eternal life, and the other would be uh, like long livers. What do you, what do you mean, uh, Warren, by immortality? You will not die. You will not die. <laughs> You're not right? from a physical aspect. Is that eternal life though in kind of the soulish sense, or is that just long livers that you resist? Or can you never die? Is it that there's no ever never death or is it 
I think there's there's no natural death. No, no natural. natural physical death. Right? When I think of a vampire, there are only certain ways that they will meet their demise. Okay. Right? Otherwise, they will live forever. Right. Good or stuff. Unlive forever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yes, and I just want to make sure that I'm getting all the comments. Okay, yeah, so I want to, I'm just going to put... Uh, just over here for a sec, I want to put wine. Um, Matt mentions it, and I just don't want to forget about it here. Takako blood on a napkin reminds me of the goose girl, so like a fairy tale uh, sort of thing. And certainly, I think over here, we do want to remember that whole folklore aspect of things. Uh, and then we have the science of blood as well. You're so bad you can't even spell science. All right, science of blood. Uh, what, hematology, something like that? Is that a word? Hematography would be hematology. Good, good. Uh, Lorena, go ahead, please. Yeah. Um, I had already given you my idea. I didn't. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, your hand was still up. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anybody. There is an uh, un... Okay, got it. Yeah, that's right. There's an unhand up button, a lower hand. Barbara, go ahead, yeah. Okay, I was going to say uh, obsession. Uh, with mm. when you when you go to blood and, va and vampires, it would be there would be a, a, a sort of obsession with it, and uh, I had another word in there too, but now I've forgotten it. Maybe somebody else would come up with it. Yeah, and I'm trying to decide because we have that word cost, and now we have obsession, and I think we have a little bit of a cluster starting. Um, in and what do we mean right and what i want to do is maybe distinguish between oh i was I, oh the other one i was thinking of was desire okay because there's often an element of desire in the vampire stories in the vampire stories let's let's start a category hunter yeah. prey okay there we go and then I want to start desire. And what was the one you said just before desire? Obsession. Those may be related or linear. And then I want to add cost here because I think there's part of the cost that's in here. Okay, good. Um, and I saw another hand. Uh, Rachel, please. Yeah. Um, so I was just thinking of blood for in terms of vampires as yeah. um, food and sustenance it's like what they eat which kind of goes with the hunter prey yeah thing. somewhere in there maybe yeah oh look at that i can do another one look at that i didn't mean to do that um yeah so food i mean that has to be part of it right like like it's not just the desire to eat but the fact that we uh, we <laughs> they hopefully they are feeding right um, but I don't know that wine kind of fits in here yet. I want to keep that teased out over on the edge because I think that's actually another um, that's another element here. Ooh, really interesting. I don't know what that is. Okay, uh, Matt D, please. Uh, the the thing I'd add quickly under life would be um, health and disease. Okay, especially yeah. with the association with vampires. I can see that it's trying to limit my my number of oh there we go interesting cool Ooh. 
I'm obviously just getting to know this software here, right? So, whoops, there we go. <laughs> All right, good stuff. This one's taking up a little uh, bit of uh, health of disease. And I suppose like we might say something like, uh, something like this is where hematology fits in. Hematology. I don't know how it becomes English, but I think it'd be something like that. Okay. So hematology, the science of blood. I want to get that off the screen. Get it out of the way. I wonder if I can just erase this. Delete, delete, remove item. Beautiful. Remove item. Okay. Okay, good. Good, good. Ah, aha, uh -huh, uh -huh, Matt. There we go. That's a super cool program. Uh, Jocelyn says, uh, yeah, I just found it. It's called Coggle, which I don't love the name, but I don't know. It's obviously one of the Google kind of name um, name ripoffs in a sense. Okay, so uh, yeah, okay, lust. Is lust desire? Is that parallel to desire or is it an extension of desire? And for example, can we have as a parallel under desire, can we have lust and love as parallel? Right. Then where does sex fit? Is it a parallel to lust and love or is it actually something else in this kind of uh, setting? Okay, Gretchen writes here, in consuming blood, an idea, oh, oh I missed one too, blood comes from different places, cuts uh, and women, yeah, I mean, we've got well, we've to get there too. Um, I don't know where to put that yet. Uh, Gretchen says, in consuming blood, an idea for assuming the qualities, the donor, there's genetic transfer, and if blood contained life or spirit, a vital element of one's original self, that is conferred also. Yes, yeah, I clearly, I'm gonna just uh, move this whole kind of world here. Oops, I can't, there we go. There we go, just gonna move this and give this a bit more space. Okay, so where do we, how do we connect all these things? So if blood is life, is blood also? <laughs> the awesome plan gives me more controls. Thank you, awesome plan, that's great. Does love, uh, is there also, is there also a sense of the unlife? You mean okay. in terms of reproduction? Well, what I'm thinking of is I'm trying to figure out where we put in like uh, self. So blood equals self. Right. I, I, I you might have been, Go ahead, Warren. Yeah. I, I thought you might have been getting at, you know, the blood can give the vampire kind of unlife, but also if a person partakes of the vampire's blood, they can also inherit his uh, his state of being, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So in in so there but I mean this get this moves, right? So in the Dracula universe, blood is uh, the life of the vampire is transferred and it's the supernatural or something parallel to the the life that we can give in donating blood to another. So those are parallel right so in one sense we've got 
um, you can save lives with blood. Is that sort of like a slogan or something? But we can also like transfer vampirism, right? Okay. But in the Anne Rice universe, so Queen of the Damned and Interview with a Vampire and all those, uh, the blood itself has a healing quality. Um, but it comes with a kind of selfness that's brought up in that. So I'm going to say healing. Um, and But I also want to add union. So obviously, um, wouldn't we say that uh, uh, the marriage bed and the traditional kind of, you know, checking the sheets to see if there's blood from the broken hymen, there is that sense of union that exists there, right? Okay, interesting. All right, uh, what else do we have here? Uh, stealing blood from others is unlife. Making blood for yourself is life. Interesting, Matt. Thank you, Matt. That's Matt M. I'm not sure what to do that. Uh, go ahead, Barbara. Uh, would you want to speak that out? And I'll keep reading here as well. I was thinking in terms of uh, of the vampire. Um, that it, vampirism also bestows a kind of stasis. That is, you don't change. Uh, you don't grow older, you don't mature, you don't, you are as you, as you were at the moment of transformation. Right. So let me just go to long livers, you know, um, eternal youth. Well, right. it depends, it depends on, uh, depends on when they get you. Yeah, uh, and and, uh, and what was it, Vampire Lestat, I guess, wasn't that the child? Yeah, that remained a child, and she didn't like it. Yeah, that's an interview with a vampire. Um, but there are other ch sort of child and young vampires throughout the series. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, no, no, that's good. That well, none of us are pretending to be. Well, there you, there may be a vampirologist among us, but I'm not pretending to be one. You <laughs> folks are well welcome to pretend to be one. So. Um, um, but yeah, so I, I want to note here also like a, cu a couple of other things. Um, so with life, we have unlife and death, right? But like we also have, I really should change that to death. And then we have murder. Right, there's stealing life. Takako says, you know, don't forget about stealing life, exploitation, bleeding somebody else's blood, um, you know, uh, yeah. So I don't know where to put exploitation or stealing. That's interesting, okay. Um, and then we have here, uh, we also have babies and mothers have vampiric relationship, okay. Uh, this is Jocelyn's comment. Babies feed off the blood of the mother and the blood of the female generates new light. Okay, so um, I want to move to a metaphorical idea, though, that's parallel to hunter-prey, which is the parasite. <laughs> but I, I want to actually make it mutualism. Okay, so I want to, to create both of them together. Um, the parasite and mutualism uh, together in the same sort of uh, same sort of reality. So obviously, there's the parasite that only takes, and then there's the kind of parasite uh, um, uh, uh, symbiosis 
which is the sharing. Okay, is that what you're trying to capture those both those together, Jocelyn? I think, um, and that's quite literally still blood connected, right? So we're in this still in the same kind of hierarchy of thought, but you know, pa uh, you know, a child in the womb uh, is is drinking blood or imbibing blood for a while, and the uh, adult giving birth gives birth with blood. The um, the child then draws um, milk from the mother, etc. right? And some ancient uh, vampire tales have the uh, blood coming from the breast, not from the neck or the uh, other other parts. Okay. I was actually moving a little bit more to gender po uh, political dynamic, where um, when you have the uh, vampiric relationship between the baby and the mother, that's the female being able to give life to a baby through her blood. The baby takes blood from the mother. When you put that into a male dynamic, if you that what that does is that usurps the female potency of life giving and life creating in a way that allows males to say, but we can also create life, you know, in, in, in lots of ways that gender political uh, dualisms do. But that's one of the things that I think the vampiric tradition also does. So the vampire makes a, so the vampiric tradition includes fatherhood in that blood exchange, but between uh, mother and fetus or mother and child, is that what you're saying? Yeah. A male vampire can create new life with his blood. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so have always been able to do. That's right, and that's interesting. Um, uh, sorry, uh, was that Jocelyn speaking? Who who was speaking there just now? That was me, Jocelyn. Yeah, thanks, Jocelyn. So, and of course, the the word for uh, giving birth or offspringing in like the Buffy verse is siring, right? So whether it's it's notice the interesting uh, switch of that dynamic, right? That exists there, um, and uh, and so and yet there's still the exchange of blood. It's still just like a fetal relationship of giving birth, as it is in the Anne Rice universe and in the uh, Bram Stoker universe. The the uh, I take your blood and then you take my blood, and there's this exchange that exists, just like a parent uh, and a mother and a child. And then uh, I think that's interesting. The male vamp as a way of bringing it in. Gretchen asks, is it too corny to consider status? Sorry, I just need to uh, extend this out just a little bit. Is it too corny to consider status and that enthrallment as a form of colonialism and enforced hierarchy, but also a subversion of social order? Okay. Okay, yeah. So, no, it's not corny. In fact, uh, if you look at... Um, if you look at the academic literature, uh, that you will find sort of colonial, post-colonial, decolonialized, and racialized readings of the vampire literature in a lot of different ways, very sophisticated uh, and some kind of dumb ways occasionally. Um, so how how do I put this here on the map? So status, and then I want to I want I want to create enthrallment as its own its own category, right? Because we actually have enthrallment as part of the, the hunter-prey relationship in, in this. And that's uh, in Suki Stackhouse, she just can't be enthralled. No, I, I'm, I'm not like that, right? Uh, but others are enthralled. There's a kind of uh, mystical drawing in or something that exists there. It'd be interesting uh, whether that's meant to be mimicked by our experience as the reader, whether we're supposed to be enthralled or something. But then we also have in Gretchen's comment, uh, the idea of, um, status and then uh, maybe the subversion of status status and then once we have that question do we have things like 
um, I don't know how to capture all of this, uh, uh, you know, reverse hierarchy, but we also have um, as a parallel, ooh, look at that, I think, no, that's not what I meant to do. Um, reverse hierarchy, but we would also have like decolonialization, which I can't even spell, but there you go. Good, intriguing, okay. So uh, that's it. Does that capture Gretchen? Does that capture the kinds of things that you were uh, doing doing there as well? Okay. And then uh, Matt, go ahead with your comment. Just okay. to add into that area, you've got the the analysis that people do about how there's a Northern European, Southern European divide, where it's mm -hmm. always the 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 dark Catholic um, nobleman from the south threatening the northern protestant virginal woman um, so that would kind of fit in the um into that subversion of status branch that you were doing yeah northern and then i wonder if the distinction is more northern and eastern slash southern right and there's obviously kind of an old catholic new catholic um yeah, uh, slash orthodoxy, right? These worlds that um, where religion is still perceived by Europeans being mixed up uh, in superstition, right? We see that um, we see that sort of in the literature, right? Superstitious religion is certainly part of of the stories as we have them. Good, okay. Um, yeah, interesting. Good, Matt. Uh, keep 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 them coming, folks. Uh, feel free for comments in either the written or the uh, uh, this one here. Um, we've got uh, exploitation as an extension of the yeah yeah. So in in the parasite, what we've got is exploitation, uh, and so this can be, I think, you know, literal in this uh, exploit is a metaphor the word itself is a metaphor um actually i want to reverse that and oh um and i want to add metaphor of course so it's exploit uh yeah see this is it i'm too far along good that's what i want to do here uh, metaphorical i'm learning how to use this program okay exploitation Right, and then we actually have, of course, a quite literal, uh, literal blood taking, or other fluids. It could be other fluids, or I like, want, yeah. Go ahead, please. Yeah. I wanted to go back to the to the idea of uh, to the concept of murder, as opposed to uh, uh, as a, a paired with siring or fathering or mothering, uh, because in most of the vampire stories. New vampires are not created whenever the vampire feeds. Uh, the uh, the prey is killed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So in most, like, I guess there are some older stories where just anytime you get bit by, like the werewolf stories, right? Anytime you get a scratch or a bite by a werewolf, you become a werewolf. Right. Yeah. I mean, clearly that's unsustainable, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just we just be filled with werewolves all over, uh, and so there's that. Um, and uh, uh, so yeah, so that's that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, distinction. Is we want to recall, although I don't, yeah, I want to put that there. And so then we have murder. Where did murder go? Murder. It's right there. Yeah. Right, and that's the you know. But I I would also like. Uh, we also just have like, not murder, but 
contra we have like feeding or grazing too so yeah we, we yeah. have vampires that uh, feed or 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 just grade uh, graze um uh, in uh Octavia Butler's uh, world of uh, feeding and grazing her vampires, that doesn't work because you need the emotional connection. You need a sense of safety oh. and a bunch of other things. The symbiosis is really strong uh, there. Matt D, go ahead, yeah. Since Tara was looking lonely up there, yeah. um, I, I thought I'd, I'd run the risk of sounding really creepy. Um, there's also a kind of a fascination with blood Oh, yeah. um, it's something that I notice when I when I donate platelets regularly. You know, the the moment that the blood begins to move through those tubes, there's something compelling about it. Um, yeah. But it's it's coupled with the fact that you know, oh my God, someone stuck a needle in my arm, and and that's my blood going out there. But there's still a some kind of a a disturbingly dark fascination. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, Warren, and we'll get there. And so, uh, sorry, who's speaking? Matt D. Yeah, that's excellent. And and think of like the the gorgeous um, videography of the show opening for Dexter, right? Or um, you know, which has the blood orange and the the, the very red egg, or the gorgeous opening of uh, True Blood, which actually pours kind of blood red over the slide of the film from time to time there is a an attraction um i mean i don't want to put a picture up but if we have blood fascination think of ruby lips right is that fair you know um that's yeah, I so yeah i mean i think oh interesting that's a nice uh faction uh what else do we have we also have um <laughs> Hyman fascination, right? Virginity, fascination with virginity, right? That exists uh, in culture. Um, there, you know, the the blood. Um, that's the fascination of the newlyweds kind of reality or something like that. Uh, yeah, unnaturally ruddy cheeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Someone that's right. who is very pale and suddenly show up looking very healthy. Yeah, rouge. Um, and then, of course, yeah, that's right. With the terror, we also have the um, the vampire, the vampire um, warming up <laughs> right? or rouging after feeding, right? Right, which is uh, has its own kind of creep factor. They're creepy when they're pale, but it's almost um, it's it's scarier. <laughs> when they show up red, right? When their cheeks are flushed, that means that, yeah. Go ahead, Cynthia, please. Yeah. And I. I means look for the body. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead, Cynthia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think my hand went down. So I was just looking at larger categories. So it sounds like you're, when you talked about fascination, you're putting them in, especially with the TV shows, more, more of violence and, and sexuality. Mm. I think there's those two big fascinations right oh, but then a lot of this a lot of this comes underneath it what you're what you're writing yeah that's right um there's a uh there's with sexuality there's like we you know we've got attraction like in all kinds of ways attraction to sexuality but also sexual attraction but we also have um unhealthy fascination right which I want to link down then below to obsession, I guess, 
um, and then uh, violence within. That's certainly a part of the more recent things. But then we also have, oops, I'm going to, oh, yeah. Learning all the shortcuts is tough. And then, but we also have, uh, uh, what was the other thing? Violence as a category in and of itself. But this is all the way through. Like violence is kind of like, you know, here we have on, on the status, I mean, w isn't it kind of an interesting um, interesting question if we talked about like systematic, uh, systematic or systemic violence? Like syst uh, systemic violence, right? Violence that's built into the categories that we have framework operations. Big conversation, I think, right now in the Western world is what's built in um, to our to our categories, to our policies, to uh, our uh, relationships, uh, to our expectations as people. Um, okay, Jocelyn here, uh, going along with uh, vampires as the typical uh, wealthy and powerful. Um, uh, uh, DT, their long lines. I actually don't know what DT means, but I know cool people would know what that meant. I just do um, too. Do too. Do too. Yeah, of course. Uh, due to their long lives, so they can live in social structures where it's politically and ec economically dependent population they can feed off of. Right. Okay. So here, down here, where we have my my screen is getting a little big. There. Uh, here. Look at that. I'm getting good at these shortcuts. Okay. So here. We could do symbiosis as economic, right? So that there's a sharing that exists between the two. We see this in um, Bloodchild, Octavia Butler's Bloodchild. But in the taking, there is also an economic, uh, I'm gonna use the word grazing, is that okay? But it's basically a, um, a capitalization. Um, and that fits with the long, long living, the long livers here, right? Your investments tend to pay off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Lestat goes into the ground for 40 or 50 years, and guess what? You know, <laughs> he raises rises wealthier than he ever was before. But then over here, um, we have on these categories, I want to add a kind of uh, economic, I know we have it over on the right, but in the below, uh, economic, I don't know what you call it, uh, manipulation or something, I mean, economic power, I'm just gonna use, because that covers a lot of cool things. All right, thanks, Jocelyn, that, that's good. Uh, Barbara and Cynthia, hands up, I just wanna make sure I don't miss you, that may just be from the previous thing, um, but if either of you have something to add, go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna, over here in Blood Fascination, I'm gonna add, uh, Takako says, uh, visual symbolism. Right, and think like the, the red apple, like in the Twilight book, the red apple, uh, you know, the Eve kind of stuff, right? Okay, so here is, I think I think we need to kind of, go ahead, Cynthia, if, if you have a comment there, but I want to push back too, as well, into some of, um, some of the stuff here. Okay, so I have this word sacrifice over here. We have Jewish law, Okay, but we also have beyond, I don't know where I want to put this health and disease. I don't think it's in the right spot. I want to put it, oh, look at that. That's cool. Okay, I can't do that. I'm just going to put that up there because it's kind of fits a little better up there. All right. That's not a terribly elegant looking line now, I know. All right, but here in, 
you know, we have the image of sacrifice. If I say the word sacrifice and blood, and you're thinking in religious mythology, what's an image that comes to your mind? What are images that come to your mind? And go ahead and speak out because we're not, we're clearly not interrupting and galloping over each other. So. Well, in, in religious mythology, of course, there's Christ on the cross, and then there's the whole mythology behind the idea of the sacred heart and the blood of Christ. Okay, good. Okay, so let's start with the cross. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and then from the cross, um, we've got a sacred heart of Jesus. I'm not going to, I'm just going to use uh, short images here, but oops. Um, but we also have um, a stigmata, Miriam says. Thanks, Miriam. Um, and then, oops, what happened to, ooh, I don't know, is it, I'm going off the screen, is that what's going on? Stigmata, there we go, Sacred Heart, okay, um, and then um, the Blood of Christ, of course, as soon as I say the Blood of Christ, what do pop culture people say, right? The Blood of Christ compels you right yeah we have you know what you know what i mean okay good all right um what else do we have yeah we have the good the holy grail but that actually i'm going to back up because before we get the holy grail right what do we get we get eucharist right we get the communion we get the lord's supper whatever phrase that you want and then from the lord's supper we get like holy grail images what other images do we get from uh, the Eucharist? Which, um, just to put it in context, the Eucharist being kind of a uh, um, Eucharist being kind of the Christian appropriation of Passover imagery brought into the cross experience and then lived out in community. Um, and and I, I hope that people know that when I say um, I've said from the beginning, when I say the word myth, I don't mean anything negative, right? So when I speak of religious stuff, uh, I'm not uh, denigrating that. I'm just trying to describe the um, the thing. Yeah, I don't know where demons go, Takako. Um, let's just think about that in a moment here. Okay, go ahead, Carla. Yeah. In the Levitical laws, the sacrifices were actually to sanctify the the space. Mm -hmm. and so it's almost like a um it's a dedication to whatever deity or being that you are like sanctifying it to because mm -hmm. if you study like paganism it's the same sort of idea it's creating when they have this blood sacrifice it's creating a space where you can have that communion with that other being yeah of course it is it is deeper too like there was in a sense I think for the ancient Jewish people that when um, the sacrifice was made, that there really was a sense of, of a reconnection or the renewal of the covenant or renewal of the relationship with God. Is that, is that fair? Can I say that? And I haven't, I haven't read that, that particular, the covenant relationship, I haven't read in ancient pagan religions in the neighborhood of Judaism, but those are the only ones I know. Well, it's kind of like drawing on the life of whoever you're making that connection with. So the sacrifices, like, so in the Old Testament, the sacrifices weren't that salvation they were covering. 
so it the blood covered it covered like it covered from judgment it covered from sin it was um it, it sanctified but it was like this you're, yeah it's like this alliance with this connection with that that being that you're sacrificing to yeah okay good alliance is an interesting word yeah good good um well, that's not that incidentally connects over back by lineage with the idea of both the first and the second covenant, meaning that you're actually within this line of people. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm going to put alliance over there too, but there is um, the word that's used um, is seed or uh, as the Christians take up the idea of new covenant, the word, the, 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 the Hebrew and Greek word is seed, not, not blood in the kind of the sense, right? So all are children of Abraham, not by blood, but by um, baptism basically, right? And so it's a different kind of a thing. Uh, we don't need to kind of go into this, and that's an interesting one. We don't have to go so deep. We just really want to stay at the captured images, right? We have Eucharist, right? Think of like, you know the you know the bread and the wine um at the sanctified uh, uh you know so like uh, you think of dracula where the um the communion bread the eucharistic loaf is used to kind of as a weapon or as a safety net uh, so that's really kind of um uh, uh there um interesting I, I don't know where to put those takako but we're going to get to those as well um what about like the where does the idea of does the idea of self-sacrifice, right? Because if we're thinking of the cross, right? The cross myth, the Christ myth is one of self-sacrifice. Does self-sacrifice fit into vampire stories? And I think this is where we have wine. Spear of Longinus. I actually, I, I've heard the phrase, I don't know what the spear of longitudes means, but yeah. Do you want to tell us, Matt? So I know you don't have, your tech isn't perfect there. Right, the spear of Longinus. Longinus was a uh, Roman soldier uh, who is the guy who stuck his spear, um, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, but he, he stuck his spear uh, in Christ when he was on the cross. Uh, yeah, I see. And okay, spear was carried, uh, it's, it's a matter of grail legend. He carried Joseph of Arimathea, brought it to England to, uh, it, it became a part of Arthurian legend, I believe. Yeah, sure. No, of course, yeah. Dan Brown thrillers. That's good. So my, my question here, and this could be off the crosser, is the question of self-sacrifice. Do we see this in the stories? Um, yeah, Takako, yeah, I think, thousands of years later, people do misinterpret the uh, religious imagery. Where does self-sacrifice, and this is the thing that I found, I find interesting about vampire tales is that um, the, the question of self like, I don't know, if I wake up, I find I'm a, a vampire, like wouldn't, wouldn't the ethical thing be for me just to die? Right? Shouldn't I just die so that I don't harm others? Right? Because what we have here, and it's difficult to know kind of what to do with it, is Warren's earlier comment. Where do we put abstaining? Right? So I'm going to put abstaining 
as a whole category down oops down here i'm going to put abstaining as a whole category that sits in a as opposed to the hunter prey relationship so we have the abstaining vampire who chooses not to um who chooses not to kill or mediates or moderates and i think uh, you could think of stories where that happens right Right. So what is that about? Is the abstaining uh, vampire, is that about self-sacrifice? Is it about ethics? Okay. So there's that sort of thing. Okay. What what have I missed? Okay. Takako says blood oaths, right? Where would the, where would that kind of fit? Like I kind of wonder, like, you know, could be a new category, blood oaths, right? Or we could bind that up with kind of, if we go behind Jewish law, to something kind of more generally religious? I don't know. Um, so we have blood oaths that are there. And then you talked about cutting and, and mixing blood. Blood brothers, right? Isn't that a, a phrase? And then what about like brotherhood itself? You know, uh, sisterliness and brotherhood. You know, is that a reality that exists? Um, within the stories, I think it does. I think that there is over here in Alliance, we do get that sense of uh, uh, blood siblings, I'm gonna use, but I know we mean brotherhood is a better kind of more uh, poetic word, right? Okay, so that's uh, interesting. Have I missed anything? Um, yeah, Rachel, like uh, Jewish law, we have uh, uh, ritually unclean. If you don't deal with blood in the right ways, and that could be, you know, all kinds of different blood that can be uh, a woman uh, in her menses, or it can be uh, sacrificial blood or actually just normal um, eating. So uh, there can be an uncleanness there. So we do have that sense of ritually unclean. Uh, Mina in Dracula feels unclean as the vampire-ness in her begins to grow. She feels this uncleanness that exists in her. Okay, and then we have, um, there's the issue uh, Jocelyn says of to be transformed, giving up religious afterlife. Okay, yeah, jeepers, heaven and hell. I don't even know what to do with that exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, salvation, heaven, hell, and then we have this whole question of eternal life. I guess this is where I put it, heaven or something like hell. See, our categories are starting to break down here, right? Like, does somebody lose? Like, or maybe what happens when you um, become a vampire? You actually, then you come to the point where, you know, you can be de-vampirized in some of those stories. You can actually be cleansed. Is there a question of redemption? Does that exist for the vampire? Or is the redemption in abstaining? Or perhaps the redemption is being the best hunter, most efficient hunter possible? Um, Gretchen says that the abstaining vampire, perhaps with no soul. Oh yeah, look at that. Where in life do we put no soul? Unlife, no soul, maybe. We can put it there. We haven't talked much about living life. We have the no soul. That's a pretty key distinction in some of these. The abstaining vampire with no soul is a societal anomaly shut out from salvation, yet maintains an ethical stance while doomed. A figure of tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the Buffy world and the Anne Rice world, the Sookie world, all the stuff in the last 50 years, there's a fascination with the abstaining vampire 
um, Forever Night was big, Matt D, D says, of the Abstaining Vampire. Um, yeah, the Vampire Chronicles. But uh, And then that TV show that's about more youthful vampire chronicles in high school and stuff, I don't know what it is. So that's, that's also a question there. Uh, Jocelyn says there's also the question of guilt. Uh, siring vampires, there's the guilt. Um, what do we do with guilt? So there's a guilt in the eternal sense, but then there's also a guilt just in uh, living life, right? Do we live permanently guilty? You know, uh, Vampire Diaries, yeah, the ones with iPhones. Thanks to Cockroach. And then Vitality, good. I'm going to put Vitality here. Uh, oops, I'm in the wrong, uh, wrong section there. I mean, yeah, no, I'm in the right section. Vitality under Living Life. Have we? Okay, so that's great. We're walking around with life, but do we actually have it? Okay, now where does this all go? What what else do I have um, in my own notes? So I want to take we've we've had a chat here about all these things. I want to just compare what I wrote out ahead of time uh, with what we have here. Um, and and I I think it's it's interesting. I I did more about um, the question of like under. Uh, blood status. I did more about Jewish stuff, but that's sort of my interest. The question of Nazis, pure blood, race ideology that came out of the 1920s and 1930s, um, uh, eugenics. And I, so I had a whole bunch of categories that come out of the earlier 20th century. That World War II, the way that that played out, um, you know, we just have moved past, past uh, those things in some ways, but we can actually see White supremacy is rising, um, not just in America where it catches the news, but in Canada, uh, particularly anti-Semitism in Canada, um, but also violence against minorities um, in Europe. Uh, that's uh, certainly on the rise. Um, uh, we uh, can see like Takako in, in your setting in Japan, there is a sense of blood or identity that uh, makes a, a sense of uniqueness. So I played a bit more on that, um, but I also added some other things like, um, you know, if I prick, do I not bleed, right? Which th this is a question of race in Shakespeare, right? But a good question of otherness, like what does the blood tell us? Do we all share the same blood? Vampires challenge that myth, right? Um, uh, I talked about sanguine personalities a little bit on my thing. Uh, sang fraud, you know, the sang fraud, uh, sleeping beauty. Uh, I did cold blooded, cold hearted, snow white. Uh, Joseph sold into Egypt the, with blood on the cloak. So I did more of those kind of story-like things, fairy tales, Bible stuff. I've got more on the religious stuff, which you can imagine for me, but you actually captured almost everything I had. I added the word sacrament and sacramentality, satisfaction, which is part of the, the sacrificial thing. And then there's in the uh, Christian concept and the halakha concept in, in Judaism, the idea of being a living sacrifice in a sense of living out, uh, walking around the way of life one chooses as a kind of sacrificial love. So that that exists there too. Um, and I think pretty much all the stuff, I, I have a little bit of pain. What about bloodletting, right? Have you thought about that? Bloodletting as a cure, right? And then now blood transfusion as a cure. Uh, and uh, Cain, the murder of Cain, the blood cries out from the ground in Genesis. 
uh, up in this kind of murder section there. Uh, taboos might be interesting to think about as a, uh, I think uh, it was Carla that was trying to push us out and imagine past kind of um, the cultural religious things that we already know. What about blood first, thirsty and all the metaphorical vampires? We could have talked about all those, like the blood sucking lawyers and everything exact there. And then, I don't know, mosquitoes. Like we see cats and wolves and vampire bats, but never mosquitoes. Why is that? Just not mythic enough, the figures, you know? We have Diane says, uh, Elizabeth Bathory, it was believed that she bathed in the blood of virgins to retain her youth and beauty. Yeah, I read, I read that story recently. That's intriguing. Bloodletting is also a vampire-themed album by the band Concrete Blonde. There you go, Matty. There is a, a callback reference on pop culture there. Um, mosquitoes transmit the bacteria in I Am Legend, Math. Okay, good. Yeah. Right? Because that's a blood-sucking kind of thing. Like, But the mosquito doesn't have the same kind of mythic quality of the vampire bat, right? Which we've named after the vampires. Okay. I think that covers, like, basically what you guys did was what I did, but more. Um, and certainly much more diverse in thought. Um, and I don't really want to, to, you know, the mosquito images in the Vampire Princess Mew anime series, uh, Matt D says. And so um, what what I wanted, just so my family's come to visit the cat. So there's the cat was sleeping beside me there. All right. So the, um, the uh, I don't actually want to summarize this except to kind of, and I, I certainly don't want to make the anatomy of the vampire myth uh, a, a permanent or, or sealed thing. But I do have the question of what it means now when we create vampire myths, when we analyze them, when we retell the stories, where do we go? Right? Where does that question go? This is particularly intriguing, you know, as vampire myths comes out of Europe in sort of a post-religiousizing age. It moves from folklore and superstition into literature. That's, that's not a fully experienced thing. Like that post-religiousizing is different in different cultures. Um, and it's completely different as we go global. Japan has a much different experience than America on these things. Uh, what does it mean to retell this? Where could this go? What sort of vampire story could we tell in the future? And can we move past kind of these tropes and invent new ones and would they resonate? Um, and then, of course, the question that in the text, are vampires ourselves, asks, um, you know, in what ways does it reflect culture? What do these things say? What does it mean that over the last 40 or 50 years, the abstaining vampire comes to the front? The question of the ethical vampire. Now, what does it mean uh, some vampire series just simply have no explanation at all for vampirism? Uh, just all the supernatural stuff is basically true. All the legends are true. Like, you know, Buffy, uh, Sookie Stackhouse, that sort of thing. And others that try to find either a mythic explanation, like the Vampire Chronicles of Anne Rice, or a scientific explanation in some of the sci-fi tales by Tanith Lee or, or the Richard Matheson I Am Legend tale. Uh, and what, does those, what do those sorts of mean? Uh, things mean? And so this is the kind of mind mapping that I like to do when I consider these things. Not that I have a conclusion, uh, except that I think that this can be an interesting exercise. Okay. Any any last comments? But I th I think we're I think we're done here. Um, who is the monster? Okay, yeah. So that's that's actually good. That's actually the great question, right? Um, who who is the enemy or the monster? Who's the bad guy in the vampire tale? Um, 
and sometimes that got turns up turned upside down in class we studied let the right one in the swedish film and and it really kind of challenges us the i am legend uh, who's the who's the monster in, in those tales the buffy story as it goes on begins to ask the question of what monstrousness looks like inside the self so there's a whole kind of i don't know um monster category right that we can just add that we could add to this whole myth thing good yeah i have right. a question yeah, oh, go ahead. can okay. i ask you something um yeah i was just curious i just just made me think about the demons someone brought up demons earlier yeah, and yeah. it seemed like for a period of time especially american public were really fascinated by the demons it seemed like the vampires disappeared for a while you yeah. know we had the exorcist and rosemary's baby and all of those supernatural and i was just thinking because you you study sounds like you're interested in the religious aspects as well yeah. if you've looked at that if there's some connection or parallels i would think yeah the, the think, demon think, isn't quite the demon's more awful i think than the vampire for some reason definitely not a sexy aspect to it <laughs> but yeah. um no i think like the omen is a great example right yeah um, yeah yeah and uh but also the um you know the blood of christ compels you okay so right I, I, my quick my quick answer to that cynthia is i think the same reason that we call wednesday wednesday so you and I can call it Wednesday, um, but not really have any feelings about Odin, the you know the All Father, right? Is that is that fair? Maybe you do have feelings about Odin, the All Father, <laughs> but but you're not dedicating every Wednesday to Odin, are you? Maybe right. you are. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, uh, you know, so we have baked into our culture all kinds of classical mythology well the you know today's mythology is is in many cases yesteryear's religion right mm -hmm. and there comes a point in in cultural development as it changes religions or as it adapts them where um you know certain things have, have work in a blend right so so dracula people aren't most people reading Dracula for the first time, aren't afraid of vampires. But there's a vampiricism in culture. There's a general sense of the religious response that still exists in culture, um, you know, that that is still there, right? So, so uh, if they dug it up out of the ground in 400 years, it may not make any sense because we don't have the same or we have no religious culture at all to connect it to. But right. yeah, and so, re but religion is what what can demolish that creature, right? Or the, right? It, wouldn't it be for yeah. the demon? You have to have the exorcism, and you need the priest, and yeah. And but I don't for think... the for I don't know for vampires it depends. Um. <laughs> but the exorcist, I don't think, is scary today because, quite frankly, most people just don't believe in the demon possession bit. Mm -hmm. and it's not that i have to believe that's it. what i mean it kind of we moved on right it was a real fascination for a while that's right and it's not, it's not i mean like there's lots of religious people that believe there are demons and say come visit my country <laughs> or something or my church and you'll see or my community but like i think the point is that it exists still in that blend world mm -hmm. um, and so now um so so i don't think we can have that same response 
kind of like late later on right like it's hard to take the fairy tales seriously sometimes just because they're asking too much of us i want to throw one more thing out here because i don't think you know i don't know i, I didn't even think of it earlier but it has to do with how it's the emotional vampire yeah sure yeah yeah and, and I, uh, just yeah. an image that i'm remembered right now yeah and i've got metaphorical down here but the emotional vampire the bad boyfriend or maybe bad spouse or something i also added without telling anybody the kind of soul taking like sort of the um uh the death eaters of harry potter that sort of vampirism exists so there's all kinds of things we could do there yeah. so i think this goes uh that we can kind of keep going and going and going about this. Uh, uh, thanks, Serena. Uh, we have, does a vampire perform any social cultural functions that a sin eater might? No, that's a great question, Gretchen. Um, you know, the idea of, uh, I don't know, was it the Welsh legend of the sin eater or something? Somebody cast out in culture that takes uh, sin into himself um, for the rest of the tribe or the group or something. Is that what you mean? Um, I think so. And then, um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the vampire does that. I don't know. I think the whole question here under status, you could add the question of, you know, outsider, oops, outsider, insider. You know, the, the other, the question of the other, I think is just a really great question for vampire myths in Appalachia. Yeah. But I think that would be brought in from somewhere else in Appalachia. But yeah, good. Okay, good, yeah. Well, I'm going to kind of close things off. Thank you everybody for uh, coming. Um, we've done this for a little over an hour now, trying to create an anatomy of the vampire myth. Yours would be different than mine. Collectively, this is what it looks like. It's kind of a cool image. I hope that you can uh, keep watching for Signum events, watch for Mythgard Academy events, the free ones. I would encourage you to uh, to take Signum classes, to take MythGuard classes, uh, and to consider looking into our program, reach out to me. I'm at Brenton Dana on Twitter, or you can see me on Instagram. I'm uh, at the blog, uh, pilgriminarnia.com, and uh, reach out to me if you have any questions or concerns. And and I, I think this was fun. I, um, I, I don't know where this is going exactly, but I think it was a cool experiment. Thank you, everyone, and uh, we'll see you. you soon. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, folks. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, that's beautiful.